Welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. Today, in this episode of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we'll continue to unpack the widely misunderstood subject of forgiveness by finishing up a discussion on what it is not. So, in the last episode, um, we began to talk about, about this. Relationships are hard to build with unforgiveness towards someone else in our heart. Uh, I also said that forgiveness is secondary to the, to the rest, restoration it will bring to our relationship with God and others. Forgiveness is not really the end goal, better relationships and inner peace that it brings. Oh, that's the real goal. We get there through forgiveness, but forgiveness isn't the place we're stopping or ending, or it isn't an ending of itself. It isn't the only good. Uh, so we talked about four things forgiveness is not. All right, forgiveness is not a feeling. We do not heal so we can forgive. We forgive so we can heal. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is not denial. It is not approval. And it is certainly not forgetting. That brings us to where we will pick up the discussion today with number five, forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is not trust. You can forgive and not trust. Once it is lost, trust must be re-earned, but forgiveness is a free gift given to the offender. These are two different things. Forgiveness and trust are not synonymous, but in fact are two completely different animals. You must not harbor ill will in your heart, but that does not mean you check your brain out at the door and blindly trust them again. You do not have to expose yourself to re-injury through misplaced trust disguised as forgiveness. Trust says, I do not expect you to wound me. Well, how is that forgiveness when forgiveness is admitting that someone just wounded you? Of course you expect them to wound you again. Trusting them may be unloving because it puts them in a place to be tempted to wound again. There is a codependency in trusting someone you have forgiven before they have earned the right to be trusted again. You are giving them the rights of someone trustworthy when they have broken, proven that they are dangerous, which enables them to wound again. Forgiveness makes trusting again possible, but not automatic. Without forgiveness, you're not going to trust. But it's only um, something that is can be actuated if we work on it. Forgiveness makes trusting, again, possible, but not automatic. This is just not how God designed the heart to work. Once trust is broken, it has to be earned again. Forgiveness has nothing to do with trust except that needing to forgive means they have lost the privilege of being trusted. <laughs> That's the only connection between forgiveness and trust, is that you shouldn't trust them. That's the only connection. We uh, More will be said about this as we proceed, so let's keep building uh, uh, on what we have so far by going on to number six and saying that forgiveness is not injustice. It's going to take just a couple seconds longer here. Forgiveness is not injustice. We're not excusing anyone from legal or moral guilt when we forgive. We do not even have the authority to do so. We can require legal justice while standing in forgiveness. To let the legal ramifications unfold against them so that others are protected is actually a loving choice. In such a case, our moral duty is to make sure they do face legal consequences. If, it, if they're going to be a danger to somebody else, 
Yes, God may lead you to drop the charges if there is a legality involved, but that is not a given. The place where forgiveness happens is in our heart, not necessarily in the courts of law. We can keep our heart soft and our conscience clear and sit right in that courtroom where the one we have forgiven receives a guilty verdict for the crime they committed against us and others. You know, every so often we hear in the news about someone who was wronged and, and, and they drop the charges against the, the person that offended them. Usually it's someone who claims some kind of religious reasoning or motivation for dropping the charges. The secular media is usually so shocked that they report on it. Invariably, the, the news segment will include an interview with the person who dropped the charges, and invariably, they will connect that choice to drop the charges with forgiveness. I'm sorry, this may sound cold, but they are wrong. And they do a disservice to everyone watching. Forgiveness and dropping charges are two different decisions, and making them the same is very confusing to everyone. I greatly respect those folks who feel they are obeying Jesus' example, and I honor the price they are paying to do so. But let me say this. Those Roman centurions who crucified Jesus and gambled for his clothes while Jesus hung, the, hung above them on the cross were not forgiven for their actions against Jesus when Jesus forgave them. What Jesus was doing was forgiving them in his heart, refusing to hold any ill will against them. It was something Jesus received, not something those men received. They did not know the magnitude of their actions, but that does not mean that they would never have to account for their actions before a just God. Here's a little bit of proof for that. Jesus told the repentant thief that he was forgiven and that he would be with him in heaven and then left him hanging right there on his cross to die. If forgiveness and dropping the charges are the same thing, you would think that when that repentant thief confessed and Jesus forgave him, he would have been maybe immediately ushered to heaven or at least set free from the cross. But that's not what, have, what happened. Forgiveness, yes, and legal consequences, yes. Jesus left him to bear the full legal outcome of his actions, even though he granted him eternal life upon his belief and repentant request. Jesus healed no will against any of them because he forgave them. But that did not erase their just punishment. Salvation through the work of Christ that <clears throat> brings both forgiveness and the removal of just consequences is not the same as the forgiveness we're talking about here. When Jesus taught that we were to go the extra mile for those who abuse and abuse us and, and to pray for those who are cruel to us, he included no hint that said human forgiveness was the exact replica of the divine forgiveness. The human forgiveness has to include the forfeiture of consequences for some offender. That's not there. We have no power to lift another's moral guilt. That resides with God alone. We can give up our claims to repayment, but that does not mean we speak for God or the judicial system that is designed to keep others safe. What we are doing is giving up our right to personal repayment, to exact our revenge. We are letting them off our hook. They are still on God's hook, and he says vengeance is mine. And they may still be on a legal hook. Your, your sense of moral outrage can still have full vent as long as you have forgiven them. But saying, I can't forgive them, I could never forgive them, is both wrong and a misunderstanding. You can and you must. You do not have to let them go scot-free to forgive them. And yourself. The, the freedom of, to give them and yourself the freedom of forgiveness. That flows directly into our next talking point, And that forgiveness is not tolerance. You can forgive anything, but sometimes God allows us to remove ourselves from continued wrongdoing. 
It would depend on the type of attack and, and God's leading. For example, physical or, or sexual abuse need not be endured and should not be allowed. Pains me to even have to say that it's okay to protect yourselves and others from domestic violence. You, you can forgive and refuse to tolerate bad, abusive, destructive, illegal, and immoral behavior. You can forgive and refuse to tolerate bad, abusive, destructive, illegal, and immoral behavior. As with injustice, the most loving thing we can do uh, sometimes is to forgive and draw a line in the sand. Forgiveness and uh, sensible, safe, and sane boundaries are all parts of the same conversation. Loving and forgiveness, loving and forgiving your enemies is not the same thing as being a doormat. Again, depending on the circumstances, God may call you to serve them by remaining close enough to them for them to offend you again. In a marriage, for example, uh, assuming there's no abuse, you, you may have to forgive again and again. You may even have to forgive unfaithfulness. E- even then, it can and should be done uh, without enabling them to continue in a destructive and abusive manner. You, you can forgive and remain together without tolerating continued and intentional attack. You do not need to forgive. You do need to forgive them, and you may need to avoid them. You do need to forgive them, and you may need to avoid them. Maybe only for a time or in the end permanently, for your safety and the safety of others that you should be protecting. Number eight, forgiveness is not restraint. Just because you have controlled yourself around them, around the one who hurts you, doesn't mean you've forgiven them. Forgiveness is not containing or restraining or suppressing uh, our emotions, but being free from the need to restrain them. If it takes most or all of your energy to keep yourself in check when you are around them, whenever you think of that person, you are not free from the wound and your forgiveness has not happened or at least needs to be revisited. Forgiveness is not managing and subduing our emotions. True forgiveness is not having some awful feeling well up and by sheer determination we keep it in check until it settles down and until we can get away from them and and until we can vent privately or maybe until we can vent on someone we should not involve and say all manner of unkind things behind their back while faking kindness to their face. That duplicity proves that you are the one with the problem. Struggling to be civil around them, especially when we slander them to others behind their backs, is not freedom that Christ suffered to provide. There is more. Sometimes restraint is the exact opposite of what you should do. Because forgiveness is not necessarily restraint. Okay? Sometimes restraint is the exact opposite of what you should do. The right thing could very well be to forgive them and then talk to them about the pain that they have caused for the purpose of restoring the relationship. However, get reliable counsel, not biased affirmation from someone else who hates them. Okay? Get counsel before you confront. Maybe this is obvious, but you should forgive them and diffuse your emotions before you speak to them. If you do not, all they will hear is the anger and hurt behind the words. You take a very real risk of saying what makes you feel better and venting and in effect telling them what you would really like to say. That won't help either. So so after you've forgiven, let some time pass before you follow up with anything else. Let's take a short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. 
Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. All right, I think the summary is in order here. Last episode, we said forgiveness is not a feeling, denial, approval, or forgetting. Today, we're saying forgiveness is not trust. It's not injustice. It is not tolerance. It is not restraint. And now, number nine, we're saying forgiveness is not reconciliation. This could, in some ways, be viewed as a summary of what has been said so far an overarching summary of of what we are not saying when we talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is more between us and God than it is uh, something between us and the offender. It may have a little to do, relationally speaking, with another human being other than yourself. You can forgive somebody who's dead. (laughs) Okay, so they've died, so you're not even going to be able to interaction with them, but you can still forgive them. It is what we do with our own health and sanity. That's what forgiveness is. It's what we do for our own health and sanity. It is a good thing we do for ourselves. If it is done for anyone else, it's more for those around us that are hurt by our unforgiveness towards another. For the collateral damage. That's what we forgive for. For the undeserving who our um, unforgiveness has leaked out on. The offender needs to do nothing to be forgiving by us except offend us. Can you see the similarity here? The similarity here to God's forgiveness of us. Reconciliation is something we do with the offender. Forgiveness is more about us and God. Forgiveness is intrapersonal within us, but reconciliation is interpersonal between people. Reconciliations require forgiveness, but forgiveness do not require that the friendship be put back as it was. Forgiveness can happen in the secret of our own heart, but reconciliation cannot because it's between people. Reconciliation should Reconciliation suggests that the relationship returns to something close to its former level of closeness and trust. However, that may not ever be possible. Forgiveness is always possible and always necessary. It is without condition. We are commanded to forgive. We are not commanded to reconcile. There is this great uh, comment in Romans 12.18. sounds differently in different versions, but it relates here. It tells us, in the midst of a very helpful teaching on maintaining relationships, that we must do all we can to live in peace with everyone, which clearly implies that it will not always be possible to live in peace. We can do all we can to live in peace, but that might not be enough. Restoration may or may not come, and may or may not even be advisable, healthy, or safe. Forgiveness is always healthy. Taking this further, that they accept our forgiveness cannot be a condition for offering it. It is not about how they respond. It is about your response to God. Reconciliation is something for later on down the road. It must be worked for, earned, and and, and proven to be warranted based on sustained, uh, sustained change. If you've been holding off forgiving because you're not ready to reconcile, or because you have a sneaking suspicion that it's not safe or smart to do so, make note of this point. I'm not asking you to check your brain out at the door to forgive. I'm asking you to check your hatred and anger and unforgiveness out before you enter God's presence, or anyone else's for that matter. Now, forgiveness is not weakness. Forgiveness is not weakness. Number 10. On a popular TV crime show, you can often hear this refrain. Rule number six, never apologize. It's a sign of weakness. While it may sound good coming from a largely emotionless tough guy who is a fictitious crime stopper, 
it plays very poorly everywhere else. Please do not trust Hollywood as a reliable place to find guidance for life. Weaklings walk in selfish unforgiveness. The strong work in, walk in selfless forgiveness. The hard-hearted are the ones that spot spout ridiculous tripe in an attempt to cover up their fear and insecurities. Okay, It's the hard-hearted are the ones that spout ridiculous tripe in an attempt to cover up their fear and insecurities. Any stiff can be bitter, hateful, and unapologetic. Vengeance is the emotion of the weak-hearted and weak-minded. Only the brave, strong, well-adjusted, well-differentiated can forgive unconditionally because their heart is well and their mind is informed as to what genuine forgiveness looks like. Guys are the worst offenders on this misunderstanding of forgiveness, but the ladies do it also. Especially in a culture that has defined forgiveness as weakness and then consigned it to the realm of the pathetic and frail and helpless. But forgiveness is the most humane thing you may ever do, and for those of you still living in selfishness, it is what you do for yourself to improve your life and those who are around you. Unforgiveness allows your offender to reoffend every time you choose to keep their offense awake, alive, and active by rehearsing it and playing out vengeful um, responses that um, anchor it in your heart. And you know what? Um, forgiveness is not painless. It may require to open old wounds that you thought were healed or that you have been working very hard to ignore and stuff and cover for years. You may discover emotions and feelings you did not know were buried deep down in your inner person, grief and loss that you never processed. You may have to let go of several rights you have been clinging to, the right to get even, to tell them how much they hurt you, to make them see they're wrong, or simply to hurt them in return. And the actual act of telling them you forgive them, if that's necessary, will not create a whole other an unnecessary situation can be very painful to face. The painful cost of forgiveness may be that you give up your carefully constructed defenses that exclude God to instead begin to trust Him to be your protection. Be very sure God can be trusted, and the cost is worth it. Most of all, unforgiveness hurts you more than anyone, and that pain is released when you forgive. It is a great trade-off. The pain of unforgiveness for the pain of having to forgive. One is a prison, the other is freedom. The first destroys our own heart and every relationship we are in. The second brings lasting healing and new and constructive emotions for the ones we love. Number 12, and this is the last one, forgiveness is not the only option. Maybe you didn't expect that, but no, no, forgiveness isn't the only option. Okay, I, I got my tongue firmly planted in my cheek here, all right? You could choose to remain a hateful, bitter, and miserable person. This will mean that you eventually become toxic and abusive, spiritually, physically, emotionally, verbally, relationally, to one degree or another to those around you, even if it's unconscious. You can tell yourself that you will stay as you are, but you will not stay as you are. Remain unforgiving and you grow sicker and more poisonous to yourself and to others. Choosing not to change is a choice to change for the worse. Choosing not to change is a choice to change for the worse. Okay, this is also a painful choice. I have explained as we have talked so far that the impact of unforgiveness is uncontainable, containable. You cannot lock it up and walk away from it. It always escapes whatever box you stuff it into. Given that, the question to forgive or not to forgive should be framed as a choice between the type of pain 
you want to experience. Here's a description of the pain of unforgiveness. Hebrews 12.15 says, Look after each other so that none of us fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. The poisonous bitter root separates us from God and His goodness grows into all manner of trouble in our lives and it spills onto and corrupts the hearts of others. The pain of unforgiveness and associated vices cling to us like napalm. It eats, it eats at us and burns and scars and is so hard to break free from. The longer it clings to us, the more damage it does. The pain of forgiveness is temporary. Once the loss is grieved, we can move on. What clings to us now is kindness and tenderheartedness and the peace that is birthed by forgiving spirit and new habit and all its associated virtues. Let me say it less poetically. If you do not fight back against hatred and bitterness... With forgiveness and love, it will eat your lunch. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we're going to talk about what forgiveness is. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the podcast of The Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.